0: Greetings generosity leaders. Welcome to the Center for Generosity podcast where we work to equip generosity leaders. I'm Missy Schaefer, a consultant with GSB Fundraising and today friends we are opening up the vault and we are starting something special for you. So On our normal episodes, we answer the three most critical questions related to a single topic about fundraising, but we have been getting messages from a lot of our listeners asking for the content from an old um, congregational vitality podcast. Now, I know that we have a lot of new listeners around here um, because that was over a year ago when we did that podcast. And so some of you don't even know that that existed. So let me explain a little bit about what it is, and then we'll get straight to that content. At the start of the pandemic, we knew that our congregations and nonprofits were struggling with how to message fundraising during a pandemic. I mean, none of us have ever done that before. Mike Ward, uh, one of our GSB partners, and I did a six-week podcast series simply to help them get through, to help them think about the things they needed to consider to make sure that if people weren't gathering in their congregations, they still understood the impact of what was going on um, and how the congregation was serving the community. That content dropped long before the Center for Generosity was even an idea. And so it was hosted in a different place, and it doesn't exist in the podcast world anymore. But luckily, we still have the files because the thing that pushed me over the top to make sure that we reshare this content is that I got um, another message, um, well, a new message from Pastor Nathan in Georgia, but it was another message about the old content um, about two weeks ago, asking for it. Um, and and he, what he was really saying is, I actually like to go back and listen to that because it helps me feel like I'm on the right track and it's encouraging and it just reminds me, it's like that little gentle nudge that I need to be doing these things and having these particular conversations. Friends, here's the meat of the Congregational Vitality podcast that Mike Ward and I did, week one. For this first week of our series, we are going to cover the immediate steps a congregation or nonprofit can take today to ensure a stable 2020. We're going to get to three primary points during this podcast, and those are what's different? Given the current state of our country and world, what is different for congregations in terms of their approach to stewardship? The second point for today is our theological grounding. What is the theological grounding for shifting our financial conversations and practices? And finally, our third point which is immediate steps. What should you do today and tomorrow to ensure a stable financial 2020? So, Mike, let's jump into this. I have a couple questions for us to get started.
1: Sure, Matsy, that sounds great. What okay. You
0: got first? All right. So, first question for you is, you work with a lot of congregations, Mike, and I know I have been hearing from colleagues that you are heavily supporting them right now, and they are so appreciative. What's different about our current circumstances, and why do congregations need to pivot during these times, or, ev- or do they even?
1: That's a great question. So, so the main difference in this pandemic versus other crises we've faced in, in the country is it's just ongoing. It, it seems like it won't end. Although historically in America, we've had some of these, the oil embargo, uh, the farm crisis, were both extended protracted um, crises in, a, in our country. Um, we've looked back at five recessions that have happened since 1980. And, and in each of those recessions, there's been four kind of general stages. Um, and so we're walking through those stages. We still are in stage one, which is a surge in giving where people see their neighbor in need. And where they're willing to uh, very freely uh, give extra and give more when invited to uh, a project that's going to make a difference in somebody's life. And so the key for congregations, you know, we, we, you can call it a pivot if you want, but this is actually what congregations should have been doing prior. Mm. And that's telling generosity stories and it's telling outcome stories. And je- the generosity stories are when somebody decides to double their giving for the month of May because they know they can do that in May, but they might be scared about the future. They make that gift in May. And so you celebrate that generosity. Or if there's a special project for world hunger or for the camps or for some other outreach ministry, when you reach that goal, you celebrate and you tell those stories of generosity. And those generosity stories are happening all around us because in each of those recessions since 1980, the percentage of income that American Protestants give away increases. Mm-hmm. And it increases because we see our neighbor in need and want to
0: make that difference.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it really is. I wouldn't call it a pivot. I would call it what we should have been doing before. But we, yeah, I love it. that. And then we need to tell the stories of outcome of our ministry. We need to we need to let people know those stories that God is active here. God is doing something that not only and the congregational uh, story that's really out there is we're we're putting worship out there virtually now, which is new mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Well, the story there isn't the busyness and the exhaustion that we feel about putting worship out there. It's the difference it makes in somebody's life. And those stories are out there. I've heard a story about somebody who, who discovered the first week that a virtual service was up, they discovered it. And they said they woke up feeling the need for God and they found it in the service and thanked this congregation for putting it up there mm-hmm. and assured them that they would be back. And, and those stories are happening all across the country. And when those stories happen, we, we don't need to hide them. We need to tell them. Because people need to know that what they're giving to is making a difference in somebody's life.
0: Mm, yeah, that's great. So that's the stage one that we're in right now. Mm. Can you just tell us what the, what the next three stages are?
1: The next three stages, at some point, there will be uh, a dip in giving where people start to get real fearful and they'll pull back. The good okay. news for congregations congregations are always the last in the nonprofit pecking order to get cut. Mm. And they don't have to get cut depending on how well they, they work their way through stage one. Ah. If, if they're all about the generosity story, if they're all about the outcome story and the impact story, then stage two will be very minimal, if at all, for them. Okay. Um, and so, so that's why it's so critical now when things are still going okay that we really push through that communication and make sure people hear those stories of generosity, make sure they hear those stories of outcome and impact. So yeah. then, after the dip, there'll be a surge. Um, I'm currently predicting the surge to be late fall, maybe into the winter. Um, this changes so quickly or hourly. <laughs> um, yeah, like but, the market. Yep. So I, I, reserve the right to go back on this, but I think okay. late fall, there'll be a surge that'll be led by our major donors. And this happens when we begin to see the new opportunities. And, and as I'm listening to congregations, we're beginning to see those new opportunities. I mm. think uh, Virtual worship is probably here to stay, maybe not in the same way, but, um, as, as we see what God's calling us to in these times, our major donors will be delighted to, to help us surge towards reaching those new goals. And then the fourth stage is settling into that new normal where all donors kind of settle into um, helping us achieve that new new level of ministry. And hopefully that's what we, we strive for. Um, I, I hope to talk a little bit today about being beyond just survival of the organization and really being about that vitality and and letting this be an opportunity and not just be something that we hope to survive at the other side.
0: Wow, Mac, that, that's really helpful. It's helpful to have a process to know we've done this before. People have been there before. There's hope in that. And gosh, if we can do a really good job of telling those stories, knowing that that dip doesn't have to be quite so long because that surge is going to come after to the new to the new realities of hope, that's just really powerful. Um, I, I want to just let everybody know too. You mentioned the beyond survival mentality and conversation. I want folks to know we're gonna spend a lot of time on that. Actually, in the next episode of this podcast, we're gonna talk about the poor pitiful me kind of card that you should or should not play and when you should play it. And so, um, yeah, I'm really excited for people to be able to hear that because I know I'm already hearing that language out there from congregations and organizations, and I, um, I'm i hoping that'll be helpful for them to kind of curb some of that. So, um, so thank you. Um, so, my second question um, is, uh, the church, as a church, we... We don't just raise money to be doing it. We, of course, have a mission and a ministry in mind. Help us understand that theological grounding for telling the story. And it it feels obvious, but I think it's helpful to say it. Um, What is that theological grounding for telling those stewardship stories and outcome stories?
1: So I, th- I mean, the easy answer is because it shines a light on God's love in the world. Um, but but let's back up just a wee bit.
0: Okay, um, great.
1: So I you know I th- I think it's critical that we do ground our stewardship and fundraising efforts in the church biblically, theologically, and maybe even a little bit practically. Mm. Um, so so three quick pieces here biblically. I'm spending a whole lot of time with the story of the feeding of the five thousand right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Very familiar story, I I would assume to most of us, um, at the end of the day, Jesus feeds 5,000 plus women and children, the way the story reads. Um, It's so easy to act like the disciples to say, hey, there's not enough here, send them away, let them get fed somewhere else. And Jesus Mm -hmm. says, no, there's not, there's already enough here. Um, And by the end, there's not only enough, but there's leftover, which is the definition of abundance. Um, and there is still abundance in our society. I understand fully that there are people out there that aren't feeling that real well right now, but there really is still abundance in our society. Um, and, and that can, can happen. And that's being demonstrated over and over again. And I believe we're living out that feeding of the 5,000 again and again. Um, and we need to make sure that we don't act like the disciples, that, that it's time to act like Jesus and say, no, there is enough out there and let's prove it to you. Um, then theologically, I always, uh, for this, go to the first article of the Apostles' Creed. We say it every week in worship, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Um, I, I won't quote you, Luther, on that, um, but, but Luther says about that basically, everything that I have is a gift of God and everything that I've been provided and I trust that I will continue to be provided for. We don't believe in a creator that that, that is no longer with us. We believe in a God that is continually creating. And so as we proclaim those words, we're proclaiming that God is still with us and that because God has been with us in the past, God will continue to be with us in the future. Um, for those of you worried about that, Matthew 6 is a great chapter to be reading about, and that talks about not worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow has worries of its own. doesn't mean we're stupid today, but it also <laughs> means we don't have to hoard everything for today, that we can trust that God will still be with us. Hmm. And then just on a practical level, um, I put these three together a lot. Um, when, when fundraising in the church, don't tell other people what to do. Invite people to join you in being generous. Mm. Um, the, the letter at the end of the year that a lot of churches have historically sent that says we're behind, won't you give something? It, it never works really well because it doesn't say, I'm going to give an extra gift, will you join me? Um, there was a, some banter around about telling congregational members that they should tithe their stimulus checks. I, thought, I told a pastor that was a stupid idea because I wanted to get his attention. Um, <laughs> but what I was going for there was don't tell other people to do something you're not going to do. And mm-hmm. he said, well, I'm going to do it. And I said, well, lead with that. Right. Um, you know, I have a congregation where two members or two non-members, I actually called the pastor and said, we don't need our stimulus check. We'd like to give them to the church to make a difference in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, well, They they created a join me culture that have developed a lot more gifts than just the pastor getting up and saying, hey, you should tithe or you should give your stimulus check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let's create a join me culture. I, that's not biblical or theological necessarily, but it's just a good practical way to go about this um, as, as we invite people to be more generous.
0: Wow. I love that. And and super practical for sure. I know I've seen people on Facebook saying, um, you know, I don't need the stimulus check. I'm going to give it away. And I just think that's so powerful. It has an impact. Absolutely. Um, great. Thank you um, for that. Uh, so my third question for today Um Let's let's get into some meat here. What are the most important three immediate steps a congregation can take right now to ensure a stable twenty twenty? I you know, I I love to talk about things, it gives me foundation, but I also love to do things and I'm a practical person. And so so gimme those give me my to-do list, Mike. What is it?
1: So number one is to communicate and to communicate stories of generosity and outcome. And if you don't know what they are, ask your financial people to give you a, a report of everybody whose giving has gone up in the midst of the last, you know, eight weeks or whatever time frame between March 15th and today. Um, let the people who have made an extra gift and then call those folks and get that story or at your next council meeting, ask the question, how have you chosen to be more generous during this crisis? And you'll get your stories right there. And then the other way to get the outcome stories, same place. Every time you're with somebody in the congregation, ask them, how has the ministry of this congregation been more important to you in these days than maybe you remembered it being in previous times? Hmm. But stories are there. People need the church now more than ever. People need Sabbath rest. People need the assurance that God is with them. Um, People need to hear that there's some good news in the midst of a lot of bad news. Um, and so, so our story is more relevant than ever. I believe on the other side of this, people are gonna remember that they did have a deep need for the church that they had maybe forgotten about because times were good. And so we need to communicate that now, communicate the generosity, communicate, um, communicate the outcome. Then next, it is time to begin to think beyond survival. Um, Have special giving opportunities for your ministry partners. if, if you love the camps and want to make sure the camps are here, support them. If you have a food pantry associated with your congregation, support that. Um, donors will stop giving to you if it only looks like you're trying to make sure that the organization exists on the other side. Mm. We've, got to be, we've got to continue to give people the understanding that we are in this with each other, not just for ourselves. Mm. And then finally, and this is something that is often done poorly in congregations, thank your donors. Um, when people make an extra gift, thank them. When people are giving, even though their situation has changed for the worse, thank them. Um, pick up the phone. I'm telling pastors: call a donor a day. Um, mm. You know, I know. I know professional development people like you, Mitzi, are probably doing a lot more. Than that, <laughs> but I and I recognize pastors have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Call one donor a day, and, and and thank them for their giving. Don't ask them for a gift. Thank them for what they've done. Um, mm. And so just. Just do that and and don't quit until you've covered everybody. If you've got a really large congregation, hopefully you have a larger staff Mm. that you can spread that out amongst folks. But let donors know that they're appreciated, that you're grateful for the gifts, and then let them know the impact you're having with their gifts because Mm. that's why they gave the gift in the first place. They didn't give the gift so that you could survive. They gave the gift so that God could do something with it and make an impact. And as those impact stories are coming up, um, let people know what they were. So communicate. Think beyond survival. Thank you, Downers.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this flashback to pre-pandemic times. It's amazing to me how relevant this information still is as we not only continue to navigate the pandemic, but just for fundraising purposes in general. Friends, if you want support, ongoing support with raising funds in your organization, with messaging appropriately and creating a join me culture, we invite you to join the Center for Generosity, where you'll find accountability, focus, tools, and plans to grow generosity to your congregation or your organization. You have an impact, let's make sure that the world knows about it so they can support your mission with passion. With a monthly subscription to the center, you get exclusive access to regular roundtable discussions with our consultants, and you can jump on their calendar for office hours to process anything going on in your organization. You have ongoing access to documents and videos that train and outline best practices for CEOs, development officers, pastors, volunteers, and council or board members. And we offer master classes, deeper, long term dives into specific topics that we believe our folks are asking for. You can join the Center for Generosity today at centerforgenerosity.com. And finally, if you are enjoying this content, invite someone else to join you in listening to it. Subscribe or share or even give a review so that other folks will know what they're getting before they listen. It really does help us get the message out there. Uh, It's a simple thing you can do to make sure that more of your colleagues are uh, getting the content that they need as well. Thanks. And next week, we'll be back with episode two of the Congregational Vitality podcast. Bye now.